you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Wilson, going against the grain, throws, caught, and into the end zone goes Luke Wilson for the touchdown. Fade and wide open. Doug Baldwin for the touchdown. He beats Troy Hill. Going deep downfield, getting Seven yards. A sloppy NFC West clash that started strange and turned stranger throughout the game. This is Chris Wessling. I've got NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal <laughs> live from Seattle, fresh from the Seahawks winning locker room to start the Around the NFL podcast. I am I am so delighted that you're starting the show this week. I think we need to to make it a uh, a weekly thing, of course, you know we got Dan Hansis and Mark Sessler and all the picks later. But yeah, uh, they sent me they sent me to an ugly game. This was a game that was annoying you, Wes. I know as you were watching it. Thought it was the death of football for a while. There we had <laughs> garish uniforms, hideous end zone painting, uh, sloppy football, flags, challenges, no rhythm in the game. It was just a bad football game. Yeah, I I agree with you, and it. But it didn't look that different than almost every Rams game. And the sad part is I, I think the way the Seahawks offense is playing right now, like this is what Seahawks football is going to be the rest of the year. I, I don't think that that means that they're done for. I think they could get into the Super Bowl with some ugly football. But, but to me, that was, that was kind of one of the stories. that Even though they won this game in, in a in comfortable fashion, like you, you didn't leave it feeling much better about their offense or Russell Wilson, really. How much of that is, is the Seahawks kind of being out of rhythm, out of balance on offense? And how much of that is that the Rams tend to drag Seattle down into the muck and mire every time they play? <laughs> Uh, I think that's a big part. Of, I think the Rams are a huge part of it. You know, I, I in the post game presser that they basically uh, gave a lot of credit to the Rams for for making it a little ugly, and they were they were psyched. They they were pumped. If that was one, if there's one um, impression I got uh, from talking to some of the players, I don't think winning five straight division titles has grown old at all. It was a celebratory atmosphere. Pete Carroll was 
was jazzed. Uh, he came over to, to Bobby Wagner at one point when I was talking to Bobby Wagner, and uh, they had a really nice moment where you, where you could tell this stuff really means a lot to them. And I think maybe that's Pete Carroll's kind of M.O., to, to enjoy the moment a little bit, and, and, and they were. And I think they were more focused that they're a defensive team and, and they put together you know, a, a defensive performance that we're used to seeing out of them. We need to talk about the flat-out bizarre fourth quarter. Starting with Michael Bennett taking center stage during the two-play sequence, you want to go over that real quick? Yeah, that was that was insane. That was one of the best sacks I think of the season. Just him shot out of a cannon, absolutely taking uh, Jared Goff's block off, uh, and then celebrating with with the three thrusts. And I don't know if you ever you probably haven't seen that Key and Peele sketch. Oh, but, I've seen it. Yes, but it's the third it's the third thrust that gets you penalized and that's every time exactly, that's exactly what happened and pete carroll after the game was kind of laughing like he he didn't want to say anything and he, he kind of thought that was the case too like you can get away with one thrust maybe two but not three well then the next play the very next play he hip tossed tight end tyler higby like a rag doll is how you put it and that's exactly how it happened and in the same sequence a fraction of a second later he turned around and sort of clotheslined todd Gurley and appeared to knock himself out as as he took Gurley down. Yeah, he it was that was a massive collision and that uh, to me these last two games I know they got they got waxed last week but Bennett had a good game and then this game he was awesome and it's just a reminder to me of Earl Thomas's key and all but I, I really think Michael Bennett's kind of the key. Um, I saw him afterward. I, I don't know what the, the concussion tests were. He seemed he seemed okay. Moved, you know, he, he was talking to some people. He didn't give a long you know spiel with the he media. Didn't, he didn't uh, question your anatomy, did he? But, what's up? He didn't no, impugn no, your anatomy, he did he? I know he's not a favorite <laughs> of Dan's or really any of us for his actions after the Super Bowl loss. But uh, no, he didn't talk about anyone's junk today. What? Immediately after the the Bennett thing, it just got weirder and weirder. Jared Goff was sent for concussion tests after Richard Sherman body rocked him uh, at the end of a 15-yard scramble right in front of the pylon. Then John Ryan, the Seahawks punter, up 21 points with five minutes left in the game, takes off on a fake punt, runs about a 4-5 down the middle of the field, starts bobbling the ball at the end of the run, and he gets concussed. Yeah, that was that was an ugly sequence all around, including Carroll getting caught kind of laughing on the sidelines. I don't know if he was laughing from the bobble or just the fact that Ryan took off. I don't know if that was a planned uh, play or not. I missed that part of the, the Carroll press conference. But, yeah, it was ugly. And, and for Goff, like, I think there's actually a real point here. That's, that's two straight weeks where he has gotten absolutely clocked because uh, he, he sort of hasn't learned how to protect himself or get out of bounds or get down and, like, it, you know, he. who knows if he's going to play next week. Like, that, it, it's not a good thing for the Rams. And this offense for the Rams, I don't know how they can tell themselves with any sort of confidence that they can evaluate Jared Goff's progress when the offensive line is a turnstile. Todd Gurley is missing open creases at the line of scrimmage. Uh, rookie Michael Thomas dropped a touchdown bomb. And then Goff yeah. himself missed a wide-open Brian Quick in the end zone. The ineptitude on this offense, I just don't think – I think it's going to have to wait till next year before you can really evaluate Jared Goff. Yeah, yeah, you, you said it. I mean, 
it's the offensive coordinator. It's everything. I mean, it's the type of it's one of the worst offenses we've seen. I guess there's always like one each year. It reminds me a little bit of Alex Smith in his rookie year. They ended up changing coaches. He almost had to throw the whole thing out because it's so bad. But it was one where you know after the game, Frank Clark, you know, he was talking about basically they were licking their chops. They they knew this was going to be feeding season in this game. They knew he was a rookie quarterback, and and I think they were all jacked up. They were all jacked up for it because they kind of knew they could get get after them. Well, let's get out of here by saying congratulations to the uh, NFC West champion Seattle Seahawks, and there's always <laughs> next year for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, there is, and uh, yeah, you know, way to go, 12th man. Yeah, as, as if you guys haven't had enough, uh, having enough fun. They had some fun tonight celebrating here. All right, well, Greg, we'll see you when you get back in town, and let's turn it over to Dan. The Around the NFL podcast is in a complicated relationship with the Vikings. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, and Colleen Wolf. Hey, Dan. Whoa. Is that weird? You didn't say it. What? what? Oh, what's up, boys and girls? Hey, Dan. Well, he looked at me, and then I didn't know what to do. I panicked. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I don't like you, silence. You know what? Colleen threw me off by saying her name, and then I forgot to, to finish the open. Yeah, you didn't ask a question, so I didn't answer with, hey, Dan. Yeah. Woo! Good start. That's how you start a show. I'm staying out of this. That I don't know what just happened. Professionalism. <laughs> uh, we yes, you heard at the top of the show, uh, Greg Rosenthal from Seattle speaking with Chris Wesley on the Thursday night game, which of course Greg means Greg is not here with us on the preview NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal. I should no, say. it can't be. That's NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> But Greg will be back for Sunday's show. That was him walking into work this morning. <laughs> uh, he'll love that. And uh, Connie Fox, thank you for pinch hitting. Yeah. For Rosie sitting to my right, uh, which takes some getting used to. Uh, there are some things you don't even realize uh, that you, you needed in your life until they happen. Mm. One of them is watching uh, Colleen do a karaoke duet with a complete stranger <laughs> at a bar in West L.A., uh, singing, I believe, The Middle by Jimmy Eat World. Yep, that's right. We went to a bar. <laughs> this was uh, right after our holiday party. Yes. I made some friends. I made some enemies. I think that it was a, a well-rounded night. That, that is the right way to put it. I do have video, by the way, of this performance. <laughs> and if, if Connie know. Fox signs off on it, I would love to tweet it out. Sure. Right. What about the that's a gift what about everybody. this other gentleman in it? Is it does he need to sign off or is it just he's going to be oh, we the stranger? Know. We don't know. Can we blur him out? Sydney. Hey. He was hey. all dressed up. We might have to blur out this man's face if we send out the uh, the tweet video of Colleen's karaoke performance. Maybe yeah, just probably blur, blur out everybody's faces. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the uh, Thursday night preview show. Of course, uh, a lot of football to talk about today and uh, we're excited to have Colleen with us to do it a lot of games to get to and um, I think it's the week 15 preview not the Thursday night preview okay mm. nice branding nice corpo branding Wes I'm used to it by now I've been brainwashed after four years <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark how you doing over there I am doing fine yeah good 
I have nothing more to add to that statement. Okay. <laughs> you looked like you were wanting me to, but I, I thought you had something to say. That's why I was throwing it over your way. All good. How are you feeling, Dan, with your button conundrum right now? <laughs> I, I had a, an issue with the button. The buttons by the lapel of a dress shirt. Uh, I've been wrestling it with, with over two decades now, whether I should put the buttons in uh, the little miniature buttons of the lapel. And we came down on not doing it before the show. Well, people actually can see whether or not that was a good choice because it's for our NFL Network hit for the Pick'em Show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, which you can watch three separate times on Saturday. Uh, so make sure you check that out. I wish I could tell you the times, but Eight, that's no. Greg's thing. 8.30 in the morning, 12.30 p.m., Ooh. and oh. 1.30 in the morning when you're all soused. You have been brainwashed. <laughs> you are a corpo yeah. robo. Whoa. I'm surprised you're not wearing your lanyard right now. All right, let's get to the game. Gate pounded. Uh, let's get to the games. We'll start. We like to go in order, uh, so let's start with the Saturday night football matchup between the Miami Dolphins and my uh, sad, uh, destitute New York Jets, uh, a game that the Dolphins need. Let's face it. Uh, you just lost Ryan Tannehill. You may get him back by the end of the season, uh, but that's a best-case scenario. Right now you're riding and dying with Matt Moore, of all people, Mark Sessler, and you got to take care of business against a bad Jets team at the Meadowlands. They absolutely do. I, you know, on that NFL Network show, I picked the Jets to win because I think something strange could just you know occur in this game. You're essentially you're looking at a guy in Matt Moore that has not played in about half a decade. Five hey, sna- five years he hasn't taken a meaningful snap. That's right. a long ass time. It is, and you know he had a chance to potentially seek other jobs in the league to maybe become a starter. There were options out there, and he chose not to. So He chose, by the way, can I, I'll make $3 million a year to do nothing and live in South Beach with my family. It's not a terrible no. overall decision in life. Maybe as a uh, – do you want him to be hungry or as a football player? I don't know. There's a I, name for that. It's called pulling an Orton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. You're right. All right, go ahead. Smart guy. I just – you know, watching the Dolphins last week, and that game against the Cardinals occurred in this – I think I don't think I've seen a game this year that was more disrupted by weather than the intense rainfall that caused all sorts of issues in that game. But one thing that was intact, and it happened a couple times, and we've seen it almost every week with Ryan Tannehill. I don't think when you lose Ryan Tannehill, it's the same as losing other top starting quarterbacks. I don't know how much the offense falls off, but it does in terms of his athleticism. There are two or three key first downs, a game where he scampers for that. I don't know what you get with Matt Moore. I don't think the Dolphins know what you get with Matt Moore this week. He's definitely not as mobile as Tannehill. And then when you have Mike Pouncey out, along with Brandon Albert, who's not really playing 100%, I don't think, you have a guy in Matt Moore who we just said hasn't taken a meaningful snap in five years, and then Anthony Steen, who's going to be in for Mike Pouncey, who has just seven career starts. That's a terrible combination. This, again, is a golden opportunity for the Dolphins. And it's never Jets-Dolphins. It's kind of a dormant rivalry, but the teams always play each other close no matter where they are. And right now the Dolphins are sitting at the number seven seed in the AFC. They lose the tiebreaker currently with the Broncos on strength of victory. However, while Jet, while the Dolphins get the four and nine Jets, the Broncos got to play the Pats. So there's a very good chance if everything goes to how what a lot of people predict, it will be the Dolphins in and the Broncos out going into Week 16. And wow, that would be crazy. Do you have a feel right now for whether the Jets will show up in a given week or not? Mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? It's a really good question. I thought it was uh, 
very interesting to see them get destroyed in that Monday night game and then get embarrassed in the first quarter against the 49ers and then come back and not, and not quit. I thought that was a really good sign. I think it might have saved Todd Bowles' job, to be honest. So I, I, think, I think you're right. I, I, mean, I think this will be a, a, a close game potentially, uh, but I do think – that the Jets, uh, Bryce Petty will struggle. They are missing pieces on that offensive line. The left tackle, Ryan Clady's history. Uh, Nick Mangold's out for the year now. They're shuffling uh, deck chairs on the Titanic. I think that's bad news with Petty, who's still a guy trying to learn how to make progressions and a good Miami pass rush. Yeah, I thought the defensive line for Miami played really well last week against Arizona. And Arizona does not have a strong offensive line, but as you mentioned, the Jets are missing some key names up front. I don't think this is the offensive line they had early in the year. So so this will be definitely advantageous for Miami. I think also one last thing, you know, with Jay Ajayi, you want to be able to run the ball. And the Jets, which we've talked about all offseason and early this year, their run defense was, as advertised, very solid. It's not been the case of late. I, you know, if you're Miami, you also have the Patriots in week 17, so you can't let this Win one slip away. this game, Miami. Yeah. Uh Go against your worst tendencies of the last decade or so. Let's move on. Uh, talk about the Green Bay Packers. Now 7-6, and six, six, uh, playing very well, uh, traveling to Chicago to face the Bears. Um, interesting story, um, uh, Chris Wessling. James Starks is in the concussion protocol uh, for the Packers after suffering uh, being uh, his involvement in a car accident on Monday. So I don't know what's going on with James Starks, but with Aaron Rodgers playing the way he is, that might not be a big issue for them. Yeah, I hope James Starks is just fine and dandy health-wise, but this is a good thing for the Packers offense to have less James Starks on the field. He's averaging about 2.3 yards per carry this year and looks even slower than that when you mm. watch him play. Uh, they should get Ty Montgomery heavily involved. Kristen Michael still struggles sometimes on adjustments for plays that are called at the line of scrimmage, audibles. So I don't know if we're going to see a ton of him yet, but I kind of – do you guys see this as uh, – I hate the word trap game. Uh-oh. But it, it's the NFL, so expect the unexpected. You've got Jordan Howard rolling, Alshon Jeffrey back this week from suspension, Matt Barkley's frisky, and you wouldn't know it, but the Bears have the seventh-ranked defense in total defense this season. And it's going to be a freezing game. Wow. I think it's going to be in the single digits. Plus, you have Aaron Rodgers with the calf injury coming off a hamstring injury. We saw him two years ago. His mobility was hurt from, I think it was a calf then, too. It was too. a calf, yes. Um, but he wasn't as mobile in that game, but he was still pretty effective. Plus, he's got Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams, who are the most effective wide receiver, wide receiver duo in the league right now. They have the most touchdowns. And Mike McCarthy talked about Ty Montgomery, receiver turned running back, playing, if they needed to, up to 20, taking up to 20 carries. Wow, that, and, and I, you know, but Starks didn't even really play a big role last week, and he's he's been he's faded out of the picture. I I, I don't think want to call this a trap game. On Tuesday, we just put the Packers as a top three team that we trust to go right to the Super Bowl. If they're going to turn around and flop against the Bears, I think everything I said on Tuesday feels like a total myth. Here's the one thing I'm with you on that, Mark. But the the weather that's that's a subplot to track across the league this weekend. Uh, For a called, Packers team on the road, called, though, I mean but, that's but listen. Yeah, it is a Arctic front, bro. <laughs> I mean, that's just bad for humans. I don't care what city you're from. That doesn't mean, you know, it's going to be 37 with some wind. It is supposed to be in some of these cities single single digits. It's the great equalizer. And it is, yeah. That's what they say about weather, and I think it could – wreak havoc on some of these games and I don't have to worry about this because I didn't make my fantasy playoffs but all you people that have a stacked loaded fantasy team and you're confident about this weekend be careful of the weather you could get banged 
You could. It, weather is so hard to predict in fantasy, though. I remember there was a game, Patriots-Cardinals in New England. 50-3 to three or something, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, no. everybody was sitting Tom Brady or something. He went off for like 400 yards and four TDs in the snow. But Cold, these are though. two teams that are used to it. I mean, think Chicago, so. Green Bay. But you get to a point where if the temperature's so low, no human is needs needs to be <laughs> dealing with that. I, w- I have one solution for all these fantasy playoffs getting blown up in, in late December. I know where this is going. Well, no, honestly. <laughs> let's Are we going to the corner? The, no, let's, let's take it out to the corner. <laughs> if you want to, walk right out this door. All right, here he goes. He Marco's up. Still walking door. through the door. It's, going down it's the a street. long hallway yeah. to that He's door. At the corner, it's actually almost the cul-de-sac. It's Here's the, the door. Walk. Yeah, so the, the noise is kind of turning the handle on the doorway. Oh, there's old there's Mr. Cold. Jenkinson. Oh, yep. this, the door's locked, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I want to open it. Gonna, yeah. When I feel like it. opening it, I will. Do you have the right key? Oh, oh, there we it. are. Here I am. Yeah. Here's my solution. Oh, look at us. We didn't know Tom Brady was going to be in a cold weather game, and we scored 50 points. <laughs> have the playoffs begin after a, cur- a sensibly curtailed seven-week fantasy season, and you get teams in the middle of the year. Un- play- not as many players are injured. Fantasy playoffs run through week 10, and we close shop. <laughs> I would be in that league with you. I wouldn't even be in that league, but I think it would be better for you know everyone it is, involved. In in retrospect, a minor miracle. I got Mark to be a co-manager of our fantasy team for like four straight, five straight years before you finally said I won't do it anymore. Well, I mean, I don't think I did a shred. I didn't conduct a shred of business after year one or two of that. I thought you held back the enterprise a little bit. It's possible. <laughs> All right, let's step off the corner and move on. And that's the other thing. Much, much shorter trip back indoors. Yeah, wow. <laughs> if it's five degrees out uh, for this game, I'm nervous about Aaron Rodgers' calf. Let's keep an eye on that, how he's moving in this game. Moving on to, oh, we're knocking out all the great games here. The mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns, 0-13, oh, uh, traveling to Buffalo to face the Bills. Mark Sessler, uh, it was on, I believe, Tuesday was the – one-year anniversary of Cleveland's last victory, which, believe it or not, Johnny Manziel was the quarterback. I feel like Johnny Manziel was out of the picture three years ago, but he was actually the quarterback in December of last year. Uh, So you've long said for several weeks now that uh, they will get a win. Will it be this week in Orchard Park? No, it will not. Um, I think this is – if you look at the matchup, every matchup is bad for Cleveland. But this specifically looms, I think, is a rough one. They can't stop the run, and you've got the Bills who they're going to want to get back on the ground and be able to destroy you. I also – I completely – one of these people that are against this whole let's start RG3 down the final three weeks of the season. I'll tell you right now why. Because you want to see a young guy like Corey Coleman – have the best chance to close the year with some progress after a lot of injuries. Watching what they did, suffering through that Browns-Bengals game. Uh, after they did get a little better in the second half, I thought Cleveland specifically with RG3, over the last over his two starts, he has targeted Terrell Pryor and Corey Coleman 26 times with nine completions. He There is no middle-of-the-field passing game with RG3 because all he does is you know, satellite out to the sideline, get out of the pocket, and then, you know, just before running out of bounds with an eight-yard loss, look downfield and just throw it somewhere. And it's it's sloppy quarterback play from RG3. I'm not impressed with what they did. I honestly don't think you start them. The Bills are – the Bills – I, look at their their season is essentially over, Six and but seven. they are they still I think have enough pride to say we are not going to get touched at home by this team. They're going to take care of business. Well, it stinks to see 
Terrell Pryor not being used the way that we've seen him being used, especially if you are in your fantasy playoffs and you do have him. But the fact that he was seen yelling at RG3 on the sideline. RG3 had no rhythm whatsoever in this game or any game, and and the weather just exacerbated it. The Browns have so much work to do, and I think we're all in agreement. RG3 is not part of the solution, either in the short term or the long term. Neither is Josh McCown, for that matter. Uh, And if Cody Kessler is not healthy or what, I don't know, but – it just it seems like a waste of time. Isn't there some kind of like bumper sticker manufacturer that needs a slogan here like RG3? <laughs> Give up football and just go make bumper stickers. Do you think he'll be on the team next year, Mark? I do not, but I that that's me projecting what I want. I they've they've gone against my expectations with RG3 from I never thought he was a good addition they gave when him a it fair happened. amount of money, didn't It's they? not crazy for a team okay. that needs so to spend millions to get to the you know the cap right. floor. Will yeah. Tyrod Taylor be on the team next year, the Bills? That's a very good question. I think I thought it was okay. I know. I like mine better. <laughs> Go ahead. Answer it, Wes. I thought he was safe until Rex Ryan waffled on whether he's even starting in week fifteen. And if you don't even know until you look at the game film where you whether you want to keep this guy as your starter. Are you really going to pick up a $27.5 million option on him? And you have to wonder if, A, if Rex Ryan will be there next year or if Rex Ryan's bizarre public almost shaming of Tyrod Taylor where it's like I'm not, I refuse to call this guy an actual starter for us going forward. That's probably not playing well with mm-hmm. some of the people around him. Is it possible something's cooking behind the scenes with Tyrod Taylor too? This well, just seems a l- I don't know. That the, the, the tide has turned against him in a very strong way. I feel like Doug Whaley is never sold on Tyrod Taylor or really any quarterback that they have there. I agree. And Doug Whaley, I remember when Tyrod Taylor had the MCL sprain last year and Ian Rappaport came out with a report saying that E.J. Manuel has a chance to keep the job. That floored me at the time, but it also told me that somebody in this front office, somebody important, likes E.J. Manuel more than Tyrod. It could be the person that drafted him and somehow retained his job after making that draft pick. I think Cardell Jones could be making starts by the end of the season. That would be my prediction. Ooh. I think so. Okay. I think they want to get a look at him, especially if they somehow lost to the Browns. Forget it. I think Tyrod Taylor might make his last start. as a Their player. offensive coordinator, Anthony Lynn, just said recently that Cardell Jones is the kind of guy you want waiting on the runway. Wow. What does that what does that mean? He's the guy he's he's the guy you want in your developmental slot at quarterback ready to go when you realize that your first two guys on the depth chart aren't good enough. I thought it was like a romantic comedy. It seemed romantic, like a homecoming of sorts. Flowers. It's like the ending of Casablanca. It's like when Ross comes back from China. Casablanca is always mentioned on this show. <laughs> That's for my favorite reason. movie of all time. <laughs> Casablanca, Friends. Very, uh, you know, the, the references are very up to date. Mm-hmm. One of which is quality. Yes, you're right. Oh. Friends, you got it's a great, love. It was a great and sitcom. It, a Schwimmer Aniston uh, love saga for the, the hemispheres. Schwimmer is not palatable. Let's move on. <laughs> The Philadelphia Eagles are not palatable right now. Five and eight. Uh, they travel now to Baltimore. Another tough spot. If you're, a, if you're a team that's basically playing out the string now like the Eagles and you have to go on the road, Connie, to face a team that's desperate for a win that the Ravens are at seven and six, it's probably not a good sign. Probably not good at all. No. The Eagles, they've lost eight of their last ten. They actually only have one road win this season. And that I think I believe that was their first road game that they played all year. You have – just the Ravens defense. They struggled last week against the Patriots and really did so after Jimmy Smith went out. That's when Tom Brady really just let loose and started lighting it up. But I wouldn't be terribly worried if Jimmy Smith wasn't able to go in this game because the Eagles wide receivers aren't exactly frightening. And Joe Flacco, his last six games, 
he's completing 70% of his passes, and he has 12 touchdowns to six interceptions. That's in stark contrast to the way that he started the season. Wes, let me ask you a question. What did you see? I thought Flacco played a kind of interesting game on Monday night. Sometimes he looked like a guy I would love to have on my team. Other times he frustrated with some of the checkdowns. What did you think of his performance against the Patriots? I thought he was terrible. Mm. There's a lot of dink and dunk. Yeah, I thought he was t- the only reason they scored t- two touchdowns was because the Patriots gave them the ball on the doorstep of the end zone on both of them. I think Joe Flacco's ball placement has to be a lot better than it was last week. That game, fun. let's call it was, it was, an, it was a blowout disguised if you didn't watch the game as something closer, and it was. It never was. And that doesn't mean, though, that this week that Baltimore's defense, which is, I think, a unit that's for real, will come back and – turn it up against a team with, you know, at this point, I think the Eagles need to go into the offseason. You've made some progress with Carson Wentz. You're really shorthanded in terms of your weapons and what you can ask him to do. You've got to reset the machine. And the, the Ravens have so much more to play for. They've got so much more. This, their season is on the line. They're at home. You can't drop this. And this doesn't probably affect the guys in the locker room, but from an Eagles perspective, if you're a fan saying, oh, actually, it'd be fine if they lose out. It helps our pick. That goes to the Browns. It does, which is at this uh, point, it looked like it was going to be, oh, they're going to make the playoffs. This is a disaster. It's it's surging towards a top 10 pick. I think pick. it's yeah. 11 now. It's either yeah. 11 or 12. So. And that's with the draft in Philadelphia, too. Yeah, really? Wow, yeah. hmm, interesting. Well, right. you can't please any. You, you put these events in forty-eight different cities. You can't please everyone. <laughs> John Harbaugh, by the way, who is really uh, one of the most underrated coaches in football. Uh, rookie quarterbacks against uh, the Ravens in the John Harbaugh era: zero and seven completion percentage of fifty-two, three touchdowns, nine interceptions. Carson Wentz could have a tough time. He was much better last week. Especially Which is good in the, to see. Especially in the first half when he was buttressed by a running game. Ooh, look at you. What? Check. I like to say buttressed, personally. I like the architectural feature, the flying buttress. Yes. <laughs> you see that a lot in churches? Yes, of course. Darren Sproles, though, concussion. Wendell Smallwood out for the season. It's Ryan Matthews and not much behind him. And last week, he had a running game in the first half. And I think that's helped Carson Wentz. When he's played well this year, it's been mixing in the run. I don't know if you're going to have that against Baltimore. Also helping Carson Wentz this week, uh, Brandon Brooks should start this game. He's been suffering from an anxiety disorder where it causes him to get really sick before games and like just vomit before games. So he had to be hospitalized for dehydration. But he said they're taking care of it, and hopefully he'll be able to go this week, which would really help with pass protection. Wow. Let's move on and talk about, oh, this is a very good game in the AFC. Uh, the Tennessee Titans 7-6, and six, frisky, uh, will win over Denver last week and need another one to keep up uh, their surge in the AFC South, traveling to Kansas City to face the Chiefs, who are now 10-3, and three, big win over the Raiders uh, on Thursday Night Football last week. Mark. You said this is your favorite game of the week. I think it is. Well, I think it, the, you know the, it's the assumption is, oh, Broncos, you know, Patriots, automatically the number one game. I I don't think so. I think this is really compelling. Uh, I cannot wait to see how the Titans, who went out last week and absolutely, I thought, handled the Broncos with their ground game. And you know, the problem when it comes to the Titans for me, if they could play the entire game, the way they seem to open some of these games, their first one or two quarters, I think they could beat the Patriots or any team in the league on certain Sundays. They don't seem to do that often. And so you got to go into Kansas City where we're hearing that the temperature will be ridiculously low. And you're not a cold-weather team, and we're not even sure that you're really a team that understands what a true playoff race is. But, 
you know what? Mariota, I think, gives you a chance in any one of these games. I like the Titans in this game. What? They're not a cold-weather team because they don't play in cold weather very often, but they're set up to play that style with yeah. that. Just take the exotic out and go pure smash mouth. Yeah, and Marcus Mariota, since week five, I saw this. He has the second-best passer rating in the league. He has 23 total touchdowns in that span, 21 passing, two rushing. Plus, when you have Derek Johnson out for the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, DeMarco Murray and Derek Henry can go wild on them. They're going to plug somebody in there. That Can I just say, like last yeah. week, I just I, – I, hey, the Raiders are going to waltz right into Kansas City and take <laughs> care of business. And I – Chiefs fans, understandably, I think are a little sensitive. I think they feel like the team that no matter what they do is utterly disrespected and typically picked against week after week in some of these games. Like they've won over this room's trust. I don't know what their ceiling is, but I, you know, you can't look at Kansas City and say that they don't have a chance to go to the AFC Championship at this point. Are you picking the Titans in this game? I picked the Chiefs for the NFL Network segment. I usually like to parse and split picks right. so that I cannot get it wrong somewhere. <laughs> but I'm going to yeah. stick with Cunning. the Chiefs because why repeat the mistake I just announced? I'm done picking <laughs> against the Chiefs until they play the Patriots or Steelers. I think they're going to keep it close, but I think the Chiefs. The Chiefs have so many weapons right now. Travis Kelsey, he's outstanding. Tyreek Hill's been playing amazing. And then that defense, the pass rush, so good. I mean, it's, it's a cute little thing that the, the Titans have been better in the last couple of months. That's nice. That's all wow. well good. But enough of this. Cute. Uh, it's time Now you're going to play a big boy on the road in cold temperatures. Let me tell you something. Not only the Chiefs get a win this game and move to an 11-3 and three mark and still be in the hunt for the number one seed. seed. I'm going <gasps> to ho! No. You know it. I'm going to lock it up. This is an outrage. <laughs> this is an outrage. <laughs> I can't believe you called them a cute team. Everybody keeps moving the bar on the Titans. Oh, you beat the Packers, but they had a bad defense. Oh, the Broncos are the team that's really going to be the litmus test. Oh, you beat them, but you're still a cute little operation. Oh, that's like the this most disrespectful thing you could say. That this is a it. Cute team. This is the real litmus test for me. And then next week it'll be a different Who, one. The Titans are the- being built so that two years from now they'll be the kind of team that makes the AFC championship like four out of six uh, years. You know, we'll see about that. When at, You know oh, what? When the Titans are a AFC superpower after they get the Rams' first-round pick next year and their own and their GM so good – Dan's going to be wanting to climb on the bandwagon and everyone's going to be kicking him off. No, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll believe when I see it. Okay. You're maybe going to see it this Not going to be allowed on. Here we go. I don't want to be on your stupid bandwagon, okay? It's cute. Let's move <laughs> That's on. That's a cute bandwagon. Yeah, a cute little team, but let's see what happens against a real football team this week. Wow. That's what I said. I stand by it. That's why I locked it up. Staying in the vault. Moving on. The Pittsburgh Steelers travel. Uh, to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. Mark Sessler, uh, the Steelers, one of the hottest teams in football right now. Uh, Cincinnati not going back to the playoffs, but still, this feels like a dangerous matchup. Uh, uh, To me, do you agree? Well, I think, number one, no matter what's happening with these teams, any of these AFC North games, these coaches have been around for so long. They know each other so well. There aren't that many new pieces here where you're going to catch anyone by surprise. So it's dangerous from that angle, but to me, that angle alone. I, I've heard people talk about the Bengals as a, we just talked about for the Bears and Packers, a trap game for, for Pittsburgh. I don't see that because watching the Browns-Bengals game, the Bengals have a couple big flaws. They, the Cleveland had its best pass rushing effort in the entire year and looked like a completely different defense in the second half because of Cincinnati's offensive line. And on the flip side, Cleveland has not been able to run the ball in months. 
gashed Cincinnati's defense. And so now you're going to go deal with Le'Veon Bell. You're going to get Big Ben. You're going to get Antonio Brown. And we're looking at a player in in Le'Veon Bell who is playing at the absolute peak of his powers. So I do not think the Bengals will will have an upset here. No. I disagree that this could ever be not with you necessarily. But that the uh, Bengals, even in a bad Cincinnati season, this rivalry has been very good the last several years. I don't think the Steelers will overlook this team, uh, West. But what about AJ Green being back in the mix? That, the 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 Cincinnati team is getting right here, and this may be their Super Bowl. Basically, what else do they have to play for at this point? Limited practices the past two days. It's a hamstring, so you never know if there will be a setback uh, late in the week or not. But. I want to see him get through a full game before I say the Steelers should be scared to death of A.J. Green. Yeah. And frankly, Ross Cockrell has handled opposing number one receivers pretty well. Their secondary isn't one that you pick on anymore. Not to mention for the Bengals, they have Vontez perfect for this game against the Steelers, which is the first time that he's facing the Steelers since last year's playoff game that really ended in a crazy, crazy fashion. Which means he'll have a penalty for 15 yards that will absolutely doom Cincinnati <laughs> in a key that's spot. What, that's what I kind of mean, though. That's sad. That was one of the worst playoff losses any team will ever have, uh, that Cincinnati loss. And this season has not gone well for them. May they get a chance to mess up the Steelers season. I think this will be a hyper-motivated Cincinnati team. That's all. Do you want to know how much I disagree with what? you? What? Yeah. No. How much? Are you I did this me? last week with the Steelers what? on the road, Uh-oh. and I'm doing it again. You cannot disagree more. When you lock it up, that is the ultimate on the other side. I like it. Any other thoughts on this game? Ben Roethlisberger. Last week, I don't – I mean – he had. I, I'm thinking about it in terms of fantasy, and I know that's not the best thing to do. Not on around the Mark. Show, Be I careful. know. But what is up with him on the road? He has zero touchdowns and six interceptions in his last four road starts that just so happened to be in I, December. Last week, I think you got killed by. He's it bad. looked like he was going <laughs> to throw for 400 yards the way they came out, and then they flipped their strategy in a in a snowstorm midway through the game and just went with Bell. Yeah. And, and why not keep doing that until it doesn't work? Uh, you know what I'm really frustrated about now? What? I should have. If I didn't lock up the last game, I would have locked on the other side. We could have had a lock off. I mean, you could. Ooh. You want to do a double lock? You could lock? always change your it? lock. Okay. You know, this is the. I'm least- repealing my previous lock. <gasps> and I'm going to. Yeah, lock up the Bengals. That's a lock on lock, baby. I mean, you want to talk about an ill-fated quote in our history. I'm going to lock up the Bengals. Let's see how that goes for you over the course of human history. It's not January. You have one thing on your side, Dan. Last year, Vontez Burfecht knocked Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell out of three separate games. Mm. He can just take all three of them out in this game because he's got nothing to play for. That's what I was thinking. That's why I've chosen to do this. I actually... I don't feel good about this, but it's I, fun. I feel fantastic it's about it. It sounded yeah. like you feel pretty good about it, so that's weird. Yeah, I just feel it's fun. I gonna, think I think it will be a game. I, I you know, but now I locked it up and I'm in a little too deep. But it's for the podcast. <laughs> I'll do anything for this show. I don't really care about you repealing your lock, but you ought to take back that little cute comment. <laughs> I, I know. I like I like that that one got at you. That's good. Uh, let's move on here. Um, I take it back, Wes. If only because I don't want any bad vibes between you and I. Cool. Because there was somebody at the at the bar at the after party mm. that really, you know, a real human gutter ball, Colleen. We I know. Say who it is, uh, but I had to say, hey, Wes, just let's keep our eyes on the situation in case you guys got my dance. back. We might have to go outside and dance. Yeah. Thank you for that. Might have to go uh, do the tango outside, and you know, 
I'm a grumpy old man. I like to play the heavy. It got real. got real in there. No better way to end a holiday party than a, in, in a fight with what I presume would be another employee of the company. That's a great way to put a cap on that evening. It's a good thing no one from HR or any uh, high-level executive position listens to the show. I got to give props to Sydney. I was home by 930 that night. Got a ride home in new money's new car. Was that New car? Oh, how about you? Did you get your checking account all figured out? Oh, yeah. Good. I you, your car ended money. up getting totaled uh, new money. It did. And so now you drive what? I would what is, A Maybach? A Jag. Uh, no, just just like a Denali. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> new money. No, what are you driving? What do you it's got? It's a Hyundai Elantra GT. Oh, that's a nice machine. Ooh. Well, she has three of them, but this was the... What, yeah. what color this, was this, this one? This was yeah. my Tuesday card. <laughs> Just change your name to not enough new money. Let's take a, a quick second here. You, you always got to give the shout-out to the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Flame in his economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands, the great sponsor of the Around the NFL podcast, and all your economics needs will be met if you enroll in his class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Let's move on now. We'll check out the Detroit Lions. Oh, this is a good one like this matchup, the Detroit Lions on the road heading to the Meadowlands to face off against the New York Giants, a battle, a, a, a battle of two nine and four teams, Chris Wessling. And, um, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know that Chris Wessling is not a believer in the Giants. But then he rewatched that Sunday night game tape and he saw the heart and the grit on display by the Giants. His and face the right playmaking now, really. ability of Odell Beckham <laughs> and Eli Manning struggling, but at the same time you see his eyes and you say there's still beauty and greatness behind those eyes. And you're feeling good about the Giants now, aren't you? Let me repeal everything you just said. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say if you listen to this podcast, you know that the numbers don't support none of the numbers support either of these teams being nine and four. That well that's fair. That's what you would know from listening to this podcast. We've been doubting both of them all year. They're fine. They're they're nine and four. Let's see how far they go the rest of the year. These two teams, games decided by a touchdown or less. Detroit, twelve out of thirteen games. The Giants, ten out of thirteen games. This one seems like it's coming down to the to the bell. And expect a low scoring game because since week seven, the top two scoring defenses in the NFL are the Giants at sixteen point one and the Lions at sixteen point four. Interesting. It's funny that we're a couple months removed from every week on this show saying whatever quarterback it was that was going up against the Detroit Lions, well, you're going to have your career, you know, best day of the season today because Detroit can't do anything to stop you. And it, it's completely opposite at this point. That Their defense is legit. You have to say, are, are you at least impressed with New York's defense? I, I am. The, the Giants secondary absolutely manhandled the Cowboys wide receivers from a physicality point of view and took them out of the game. You know who was a star on Sunday night? I was going to say Janaris Jenkins, but no. no. He wants everyone to know everyone but his own mother calls him Jackrabbit Jenkins. Jackrabbit Jenkins. Love it. It's pretty good, actually. Yeah, Dez could not get anything done. No, he really – He was all over the place. He abused Wes. But, by the way, Dez, I have to say, you like to look at the schedule. The Lions, 9-4, and everything's fine and dandy, but be careful here because if you don't win on the road in New York, fall to 9-5, and then you go and play a primetime game against the Cowboys in Dallas, 
Uh-oh, could be 9-6. and six. And then you finish at home against the Packers, who are playing as good as anyone in the NFC. Yeah. Uh-oh, 9-7 and seven if everything turns poorly, and that's not the biggest stretch. It's not. I mean, and also you have to, you know, the idea that all this stuff in the last couple minutes has been going pro-Detroit, that at some point it's going to come home to roost. And if not in January, much sooner maybe. We talked about the Packers winning this division on Tuesday, and you just laid out the roadmap for that. Yeah, I'm, I've been really impressed, though, with the Lions' defense. Just since week eight, when you look at their numbers, what they've been able to do, they're tied for the NFL's best-scoring defense. They've only allowed nine touchdowns, and they've allowed 20 or points or fewer nine times this entire season. They tackle well, and they get their hands on a lot of balls. They contest a lot of passes. Their secondary is pretty good now. And I don't, you know, I don't want uh, Lions fans to come after me on Twitter. Uh-oh. I know they've won five in a row. Not, if you're 9-4, and four, you're 9-4. and four. Bill Parcells said you are what your record says you are. So they'll probably find a way to win one of these games, but I don't know if I would say that I would pick them in any of these games. So it's it's a tough close for them. Something to keep an eye well, on. Well, we wanted to see this Lions defense face a real test. They're not going to face a real test. Because <laughs> Giants offense is among the worst in the NFL, including the teams that have given up for the season. And watch out for Matthew Stafford here. What is going on with that finger? And I think that's a huge part of it. Weather again yeah. in New York, it's going to be, I believe, Well, I'm looking right now. I'm Ooh, looking weather at, report, Mark Well, it's, this is a 10-day forecast from weatherday.com, but in <laughs> East Rutherford, New Jersey, on Sunday it says high of 59, low of 23, 90% chance of rain. Uh-oh. Oh, rain. So the temperature, it's not going to be that cold. Well, we don't know. I mean, that can, you know, as I let me tell you, a 10-day forecast can shift in. Things can change. Yeah. Why is it a 10-day forecast when it's only 40? I'm, well, it's I, you know, it stretches. I can tell you the Sunday after, it's supposed to be 51 <laughs> degrees. If you had a dislocated middle finger on your throwing hand, do you think that wet weather is something you'd want? Probably not. No, I don't. not at all. No, I think that has a recipe for some trouble. All right, let's uh, move. I wouldn't want to get out of bed. Let's move on <laughs> and uh, talk about – uh, our next game, the Indianapolis Colts, six and seven, need to win out, uh, most likely. Although you never know in that AFC South, uh, but they need to get this win. They travel to Minnesota to face the Vikings. Yes, I guess they're the team of ATL, uh, and there's no Greg here to defend them. Um, Connie Fox, is Minnesota going to be able to finish this season with a level of dignity befitting of the team of the around the NFL? The team. <laughs> Of ATL. They're making me really depressed lately in the red zone. That's just one of the reasons why they're making me depressed. It's like a very, very distinct um, area of depression. <laughs> it is. But three separate times on Sunday, they tried to score from the one-yard line. They only got in there once. And then of their five trips in the red zone, t- only twice they converted. When you can't convert on these short yard situations and you have Matt Asiata and you're trying desperately to get one yard to score and you can't, that is such a nightmare. Plus, Sam Bradford, he's averaging, as we've talked about on the show before, 6.4 yards per attempt. Your running game is only averaging three yards per carry. The offense has set up Sam Bradford sort of to fail and I kind of feel bad for Pat Shermer. That short yardage offense has been an issue all year long. On the other hand, who would you most want to play if you have trouble moving the ball in short-yarded situations? Mm. A Colts team that has lacked a backbone for the entire Andrew Luck era on defense. Yeah, and it's it's – this to me, I think this is one of the games where you look at where it is. It's in Minnesota. I think the Vikings are distinctly better at home. And I think if Greg were here, he would say you have to look that the offense last week played one of its better games. I don't know what that means in the big scope of the NFL. It's not one of the NFL's better games. But 
guys like Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs still around. I mean, they've been making – they've been productive the last month. Oh, I, and also Sam Bradford making big throws. I think so too. I mean, I just – I this is an interesting game. And, and if we are tired of the Colts and you want to end the Colts – more than you'd anyone wants to see the Vikings deep sixed out of this thing. And that might be me right there. I'm a little tired of the Colts. Sessler and Ellis. You can take, want to end. You can t- listen, this Colts fan base, which you call is this very game interesting. I'm still hung up on that. I do I think it's an interesting matchup. I'm not okay. saying that it's I, you I want would, both teams to take a dirt nap. Uh, no, I don't want the Vikings to take a dirt nap. The Vikings, you know, Dan inadvertently called a team seven and sick. I think the Vikings are seven and sick. That's how I feel about them. But I will say that this this is a Colts fan base that, you know, it's a little bit of a woe is me fan base right now. It has been since 1997 and 98 that they last missed the playoffs two years in a row. And that's when you went from Jim Harbaugh as your quarterback to the next year, Peyton Manning, and from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. You haven't had a tough time of it. You might have to go through a little bit of a dark time to learn what it means to be an NFL fan in this century. <laughs> it all kind of <laughs> turns back to that Sessler dark zone. I'm just saying, you know, um, you're allowed co- to have a tough Sunday. Terrible job by the Colts last week losing at home Absolutely. Uh, the way they did. And that it's a hard they're hard to take serious after what they did there. And uh, But a uh, road. In, uh, win in Minnesota would be uh, important and it also impressive. The Vikings, by the way, one last note on them, guys, before we move on. Uh, they were the last undefeated team this season. They were 5-0. and oh. Since 1970, only one, only once has the NFL's last undefeated team missed the playoffs. 1993 Saints. Very good. Stop. You know why I know that? Yeah. Because I said it on this podcast. I remember. Look at you. <laughs> I wasn't listening. It was, uh, after, it was after, I believe, the Vikings-Cowboys Thursday night game. Little Dome Patrol. So Ooh. it was like, you were like, oh, Greg and Wes are doing their whole little, uh, their cute little recap thing. I'll cute? Just, Did I say cute again? Yeah, that's what you were thinking. They're uh, doing their cute little recap. I'll just fast forward six minutes into the show. Everything's wow. cute to Dan. <laughs> wow. Everything's accurate that's being said right now. No, I listen to all the show. I take copious notes on each of you and then file it away. You know that. That's true. You Should we it. say real quick, if you're the yes. Colts, after this game, you have got the you have to go on the road and play the Raiders. Then you host the Jaguars. That's your chance to save your season. The Vikings, after the Colts game, have to go to Green Bay. Not easy. And then you play the Bears. Is this one of those games, by the way? Loser disappoints his dad. Yeah, I think Sorry, a, lot of these, a lot of these fathers have already been disappointed if they root for anyone on either of these teams <laughs> at this point. Let's uh, move on. Oh, speaking of disappointment, the Jacksonville Jaguars are a thing that exists. 2-11 and 11, now travel to Houston to face the Texans, who on the strength of that surprise win in Indy are, again, alive and well at 7-6 and six, and should be able, West to take care of business uh, against the Jaguars, who are an atrocity, but especially so on the road. Jaguars are an atrocity, but they've played hard the last two weeks. They've given the Vikings and Bills a game, and the Texans are not about to blow out anyone. I'm sorry. They're just not. These are the two quarterbacks in the NFL, the only two quarterbacks, to start every game and fail to pass – fail to post a 100-passer rating at any point in the season. Osweiler is last in yards per attempt at 5.8. Bortles is second last at 6.1. You're looking at about a five to two ball game here. I, I think it's. Un- I was gonna. I was just gonna say, like, what do you think the combined score is going to be? That's great. <laughs> I would actually love to see that just for like folly value, a five two five. I mean, for you, is that I'd have to say it must be more less belief in either offense than the fact that both defenses are not terrible. These are two good defenses. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. merciless. Is J- Jacksonville's fifth so well. in total defense, and Houston's sixth. So you. 
and the Bears are seventh, so maybe our total defense stat is this, just useless. Here's your, <laughs> yeah. here's your uh, weekly Blake Bortles is a total mess stat for you. This is coming from our research notes. So we know the Jags are on an eight-game losing streak. They also have the number one defense in the league since week nine. So their defense is playing at a level, uh, at least statistically, that's better than anyone else, and yet they are losing every single week because they're supposed or what we thought was an up-and-coming star quarterback. He is taking a dirt nap on some level. Mark. Starting to believe none of these stats. Since week seven, it's the Giants with the best defense. Since week ten, it's the Bucks. No, it, Since that's week a good nine, point. Well, a lot of it's also the yard. I think you know the yardage so defense means nothing. But because uh, there's no real dominant defenses, cause how many good defenses this year have been exposed? Uh, so you know maybe you got to look a little closer at the numbers though. But uh, that is the stat. That's the data. It's it was, a big game, though, playoff-wise. It was kind of weird to see Blake Bortles last week take advantage of the fact that um, you had um, Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith was out in this game. You. And uh, when you watched him play, I was like, oh, my God, it's not just in junk time that he's doing things in this junk game time. and actually like, making time. a couple of plays. Plus, Marquise Lee has been – Consistently good. Which well, is which is also not the was not the plan in Jacksonville was to have Demarcus Lee and some and a couple other no name receivers playing a much bigger role than Allen Robinson or at times even Allen Hearns. It just it's you look across the field the same thing with DeAndre Hopkins. These quarterbacks are turning these star players into just as Dan would say Jags. Jags. Mar- Marcus Lee. Marquis Lee is coming off the best game of his career. He was pretty darn good last week. But if Allen Robinson ran all of his routes close to the line of scrimmage, he'd be the Jaguars' number one receiver. Mm-hmm. He's his production's down because every time you see Bortles drop back and throw a deep ball, it wobbles and doesn't get there. Here is a stat you could read about this over at the end around NFL.com slash end around or NFL.com slash Hansis. Company man way, you are. Either way. Yeah, but it's ultimately self self serving. Sure, yeah. It's cute. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gus Bradley is now uh, 14 and 47. It is very hard to hang around that long and have a record that bad. Uh, a winning percentage of 230. Um, Bill Belichick, who has a 670 winning percentage in his 22 years, would have to lose how many games, Mark, to get below Gus Bradley's current winning percentage? Just take a guess. 200. Colleen. Uh, shoot. I yeah. wasn't listening. I'm not going to lie. Oh, wait. Way more than 200. <laughs> <laughs> like, where it was something like six seasons. 640. 671 Ooh. straight games. He would have to go 0-16 uh, 41 consecutive times. By the way, you would love to see that happen. Uh, <laughs> he would be 105. <laughs> yeah, he would have to coach 105 years old to actually make it. So how many this, seasons would that be? Uh, that would be a million seasons. <laughs> So like 40-something seasons. Yeah, uh, he would have to – because he's 61 now or 64 now, and he'd have to coach until he was 106. I mean, there's like – there's multiple p- people in here trying to do mathematical problems. Bad move. I mean, Colleen's I not can... even listening to the show. So no. it's like everything is <laughs> kind of going to, yeah, I lost off the you there. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the, the point there, Gus Bradley, bad. Bill Belichick, good. Can you imagine if Bill Belichick was still beating the Jets every year for 40 more years? <laughs> I would I actually – I can't imagine it. I would not doubt it as something that could happen. Or his son, like, stepping in and being better than dad. Like it's and then at da- as Dan is being lowered into the earth, someone <laughs> tells him the entire NFL is just a joke that we've played on you and Mark and others for your entire lifetime. Tricks on you, you could have spent yeah. so much time doing other things. That would be an awful funeral. Including how you spent your entire employment history. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. The New Orleans Saints. That was grim, guys. Five and eight. 
uh, travel to uh, Arizona to face the 5-7-1 Cardinals. We don't have to spend much time in this game, but I will uh, report uh, that uh, the Cardinals cut Michael Floyd this week uh, after a DUI arrest. I, can, I have that exclusively, guys. A DUI arrest for Michael Floyd. They decided to cut him where he ended up. A tease. We'll talk about that team a little bit later. Uh, but the Cardinals say goodbye. Wes, were you surprised? Uh, he was a free agent anyway. It looks like it was a situation with we've had with this guy. He's been terrible. Just get out of our life. Uh, how disappointing was his season this year? He he was incredibly disappointing, especially in a con- contract year. A guy who late last season finished out with five 100-yard games in the last eight games. He looked like he was ready oh. to emerge as a top-20 NFL receiver, and he has spent the season dropping passes and vanishing from the offense. It's been an incredibly disappointing season for him and Smokey Brown. I will say what we're hearing, though, out of Arizona is that while – you know, we may be fine with him not being on the Cardinals, and the coaches made that decision along with the front office. Then the locker room, it has caused quite a bit of discord among some people that were very fond of Michael Floyd to see the Cardinals do this. I'm sure that I was thinking about it, uh, how I'm kind of, I kind of feel bad for him because the season that he's having, it's obviously so bad on the field, and then you – Get the DUI. He was asleep at the wheel. I mean, um, he's passed out. It's the ult- the ultimate DUI. Well, th- thankfully, where you don't hurt somebody, but where you're passed out in the middle of the street. I mean, like things are going rough. really bad yeah, for him right now. Wrong. I hope he's okay. Yeah, that's a bad DUI. I it's mean, pretty bad. Yeah, it's not it's not your dime a dozen. That's the where you're passed out in the shoulder in the middle of the road, where there might be something actually going on behind the scenes. With hard to talk it down. Yeah. Uh, anyway, about this game, Colin, game. You got anything for us? So Drew Brees the last two weeks, what is going on with him? Six interceptions, zero touchdowns. Look, if the Cardinals defense was at full strength, I would be really worried about Brees again for a third straight week. But they have no Tyron Matthew, which we've known about. But now you have Tyvon Branch out and Deion Buchanan are out in this one. So I don't know. Maybe this is a bounce back game for Drew Brees, but... Breeze hates, hates pressure up the middle. And with Max Unger out of this one, Calais Campbell could have a field day. He could. And you ask what's wrong with him. He missed Brandon Cooks by inches in the end zone early in the game on a deep throw. And then Cooks dropped a touchdown. A different drive, Traveris Cadet dropped a touchdown. Breeze could have easily had three touchdowns mm-hmm. in that game. And give credit to the Bucks defense, which was swarming against against the Saints. Yeah, that was a strange game. I mean, I I also look at what happened with the Cardinals. We mentioned that rainstorm that they played the Dolphins in. There were Kerwin Williams was running Wildcat. They did a reverse to JJ. Now, I mean, they were doing anything they could to get yardage and offense and get something going. They just seemed very I would never have said this about any game with the Cardinals last season on offense, just very much out of rhythm. Hmm. Uh that's it. Let's move on. The San Francisco 49ers are 1-12. They had a golden opportunity uh, to break their 11-game losing streak when they were up 17-3 to on the Jets last week and let that game Guess go they away. forgot about Bryce Petty. That's why you don't forget about Bryce Petty. And now they go on the road to face the Atlanta Falcons, who have just uh, basically got Jeff Fisher fired. That's how good they played in their last game, uh, Mark. Uh, so you would expect more of the same domination of the Falcons of an NFC West has been. Well, you have to wonder how long the coach in San Francisco will be around. I, I hope they wouldn't do the same thing uh, to Chip Kelly this week. Uh, but it's, I mean, I can't imagine on paper a worse matchup. You're looking at, in terms of points scored and allowed, the most explosive 
offense in the league with the Falcons against a defense in San Francisco that I don't care whether you're home or away, especially on the road in Atlanta, just bleeds points. Forget about, about it. How about this, by the way? Julio Jones is dealing with this toe injury. Wes, why not just sit Julio Jones? Yeah. I don't know if that's the plan right now. Get Assume because you've shown you could score without him. Give him another week. Maybe give him two weeks if you get this win and you're in good shape at 9-5. and five. Don't play him against the 49ers. Couldn't agree more. Turf toe injuries tend to linger and you can have setbacks with him, I would not play Julio Jones against the 49ers, especially as well as Taylor Gabriel is playing. As a guy who's making big plays every single week, he's been consistent. I think that they have plenty of firepower without Julio Jones. Mohamed Sanu also, though, is questionable in this game. He's pretty he's banged up as well. So well, they got by without guys. either of those guys. I was going to say, you have both of those guys yeah. questionable. It doesn't even matter, though, against the 49ers. I mean, if they can keep a clamp on Carlos Hyde, which is essentially the only viable way that San Francisco can eat up the clock and score touchdowns right, and yes, stay in the game – then I, you know, their defense, Atlanta's defense, is outside of Vic Beasley, is not a showcase defense. It's quite the opposite. But you got, you're going to win this game, and you can, you should be able to rest people while doing it. Yeah, the 49ers totally overmatch, which makes it even more surprising that Colleen would decide to lock it up. Locking it up. I'm, I'm locking it up. Dan Hanses, la 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 la, lock it up for real. Yeah, it's going to happen. You're, no, you're not. You're not really. I'm not. No. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'd made that for a second. The vault people, <laughs> the four, you know, the guys on their on their lunch break, they had to get up and open and close the vault for no reason at all. It was just a sham. They're getting their steps in. Union issue. Are the 49ers even allowed to be part of a lock? I don't think so. Mm-mm. Let's move on. The Oakland Raiders are 10-3, and three, um, coming off um, a loss on Thursday night football to the Chiefs. Now they travel to San Diego to face the Chargers. And I would say, Chris Wessling, I would like to see – um, how Derek Carr looks now two weeks removed from that finger injury because their whole season rides on whether he's going to be the Derek Carr of the first 12 weeks of the year. Yeah, it's hard. For me, when I look at the way he's played the last two weeks, he had the pinky issue for both of those games. Against the Bills, he looked fantastic to me. They exploded for three or four scores in a row, and he he just quick release, accurate, looked great. And then to go to Kansas City and have the worst game of his career – in the cold, it makes me believe that that was all a cold weather phenomenon. Mm. And I think it was a Chiefs defense phenomenon versus a Bills defense, which has essentially fallen off a cliff of late. Yes. This is a interesting matchup between one of the biggest defensive player of the year candidates, which you can find this week at NFL.com slash position rankings. Top 10 defensive player of the year candidates. Cleo Mack. Against, I believe, the strong front runner for defensive rookie of the year, Joey Bosa, I think Bosa's even got a stronger case than Mac does. Oh, let me ask you a question. Ready? Who would you rather have for the next 10 years? That is a tough one. I think I'd have to see more of Bosa before I would put him over Mac. Okay. I want both. <laughs> both would be great. Yeah, do it. Oh. Hold on the fence, Sessler. You got to choose one. I'll go Bosa. You're going for it. He doesn't seem like the personality match with the Mark Sessler uh, team if you're like the GM. Don't have a team. Why not? What's, okay. what's his personality match? I, you don't like a, the showboat guy that's having you know a lot too much fun. I, all these guys are showboats. Give me a break. 
<laughs> Great answer. Uh, all right. So for this game, Mike McCoy uh, on the hot seat. I think you you it's safe to say it, five to, five and eight. Now, the Chargers as an organization now have other things. They got this this potential move hanging over them, and I'm surprised Wes that um, Philip Rivers' play has fallen off because he's been so good for so long. Whenever he goes into a slump, it's it's surprising to me. Yeah, I don't I don't even really know the reason for it. it He's done this in the second half of seasons the last few years. And the personnel is largely the same as it was a month or two ago. Melvin Gordon probably won't play in this game, which, which means you'll get Kenneth Farrow. But other than that, he's still throwing to Dontrell Inman, Antonio Gates, Hunter Henry, and, and Tyrell Williams, the same guys he was throwing to early in the season when he was doing well. Have you heard from Spice Rack this week? <laughs> I have not heard from Spice Rack. It's probably been a tough week for him. Were we a little tough on him? I, I left last show thinking I was a little bit uh, rough on him. Where well, he's, you, he's genuinely been a nice guy. As far he as stepped on your toes a little bit because of your close relationship with Mr. Flame. Yeah, you. I think that was yeah. – I probably would have been largely removed from the whole thing. Yeah. But then when you bring in Mr. Flame, at, completely innocent, out of nowhere. Really, Mr. Flame did nothing at all, and you start calling him out with the words he used. Well, but anyway, Rack, we're right back at it again. I'm, I'm taking him down again. Spice Rack had it coming. <laughs> I think That he was an unprovoked shot against a heck of a nice guy like Mr. I sense some jealousy here just between uh, Spice Rack and Mr. F. You should let Spice Rack know that he could do an in-segment sort of sponsorship. I mean, he could do something within the pod. Just because Mr. F is the title sponsor doesn't mean that maybe Lock of the Week is sponsored. You don't know. By Spice Rack? Yeah. I think I think any endorsement opportunity for Spice Rack kind of went bye bye his second. Opinion. I do like Colleen essentially putting us on that, and then you know she'll disappear <laughs> for three weeks while we have to deal with you know Spice Rack for the next month. So, um, all right, let's move on and take a look at the New England Patriots and the Denver Broncos. Oh, this is fun! The Patriots, uh, who looked uh, again very good on Monday night, uh, beating the Ravens. You know hurt themselves with some special teams things, but you expect that to get worked out by the time you get to January. Tom Brady looking sadly um, as good as ever, which is not not at all suspicious, I just want to say. I mean, not even a little bit suspicious that Tom Brady at uh, 39 years old is playing like he's 26. Mm-hmm. Not at all. No Fire red flags? still out on science. Yeah. There's a little Rocky Four stuff going on, I think. He's not the I, one in the know. log cabin. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe I don't know you how should to respond. have Alex Guerrero making you more pliable. Mm. <laughs> I like the, that he explained the, that he was more pliable. He's a very flexible man, and he, he believes that's made a difference, which actually kind of makes sense. It does. I, I mean, it, I think he, you know, there are sound reasons you know, that in- include hard work, diet, yeah. exercise, you know, revolutionary um, you know, physical preparation. That could be you know, a part of why he's still successful in his that's 30s. Fair, though. A lot of people, a lot of people through the years. Uh, that professional athletes have used good diet and uh, workout routine that was very effective. For some reason, Tom aging backwards, not at all suspicious. Well, I mean, Tom not Brady's to not going to Kosi. He's not going to the Gaslight to sing karaoke yeah, after exactly the company right. holiday party. That is the price, I guess. He won't right. even eat strawberries. Yeah. True. Um, anyway, so 11-2 Patriots, 8-5 and five Broncos who um, are not safe they could absolutely miss the playoffs if things work against them here down the stretch. And to me, Colleen, uh, this is a game that the Broncos almost have to have, and that's a tough thing to say when you have uh, the Pats coming into town. Yeah, Tom Brady and Trevor Simeon. I mean, it definitely doesn't have the same star power as it once did when these two teams played each other. But Brady, he threw over 400 yards 
on what was the number one defense in the league. And that mostly came after Jimmy Smith went down. We saw that he sort of went wild after that. But the Broncos, they still have Chris Harris. They still have Aqib Tlaib. And they still have Von Miller. So you can't really count against them. It's always weird things happen when the Patriots go into Denver and play the Broncos. And I can't really count out the Broncos in this one. I, I sort of have like a weird feeling. No game this. at home for Denver. Should they be right. this current team be counted out? Right. And I, you know, they talk about Bill Belichick. He emphasized to his team this week that that was the biggest issue. Yes. What? No, I think Colleen was in the middle of a, a greater point. Thanks for falling asleep on me there. Sorry. What? This is, this is for, from earlier when I fell asleep on you. Yeah. I, I have a, I'm going to go back to it. I sort of have a feeling about the Denver Broncos Whoa. in this Uh-oh. game. What kind of it's feeling? It's just sort of like, You're gonna... I just don't think that what we think is going to happen will gonna, happen. I think the Broncos gonna, are going to win, gonna, and I'm l- 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 locking it up. Locking it up. <laughs> locking this up. Yeah. Oh, big spot. Now that yeah. is. That is. That, you hung some onion there. Well, that's what I do in yeah. lock of the weeks, and I'm True. two for two. So You are. You know what? You don't get enough credit Thanks. for this because – and. It speaks to to me really that I'm pointing this out now more than anything. But good host, you, you hit these grand slams with these predictions. But then since you're not on the show every every episode, mm-hmm. it kind of gets wiped away. But right now, you you did very well with uh, some sandwich props. Mm-hmm. Your what was your last prediction? The Seahawks would beat the Patriots. Seahawks would be, and now you're going to say the Pats are going to go down again. Yeah, look at you. It's happening. I don't know. I'm look sitting in Rosie's seat right now, so I feel like I just need to take down the Patriots. That's the first time someone in that seat has not picked the Patriots. Yeah, that is wow. absolutely right. You're yeah. almost as animated as Greg. <laughs> I have to just like throw my arms around. Throw your arms around. <laughs> so, Mark. Uh, that was Colin was getting into something. I didn't yes. want to. Uh, no, I mean I interrupt I, you. I feel I like to. we've given her, uh, and I love the lock. It's it's daring. I feel like we've Thank given you. her credit for it before they've actually beaten the Patriots. I think that's a big <laughs> part of the puzzle here. And I watched <laughs> the Titans just run through Denver's vaunted defense at will last week. That's a concern. I do think that also Trevor Simeon. Yes, he is not the name power of Peyton Manning, but at this point right now, he throws the ball better than Brock Osweiler did at any point in Denver, and I think he throws it better than Peyton Manning did last year as well. He is not a major issue for Denver. I think he's helped them. I don't think they want to be passing the ball as much as they are. They, they have no ground game still. That concerns me. And you put out, you put out Justin Forsett. He fumbles his first carry. It was a huge fumble last week. I mean, come on. I wonder if they will get Justin Forsett more involved in the passing game, though, just since that's not. sort of how they used him in Baltimore when Gary Kubiak was there. He was – Arguably the least effective pass catching back in the NFL over the last few years. <laughs> yeah. Averaging about four yards per reception. That's not what you want from a – I mean, I think he's probably getting close to the end of the line, and it's telling that he's starting – or so they're starting running back. This, it shows how desperate they are. He was – we need a guy to come in that I don't need three weeks to teach the playbook to. He needs to be on the field now. This is how you win the game if you're the Broncos, and I think it starts with Von Miller having his best game of the season. Mm-hmm. Like the the Ravens showed it again on Monday night, if you don't get in Brady's face and make him uncomfortable, he is going to destroy you. They need to make Tom Brady uncomfortable. Even though he moves, he's moving almost suspiciously well in the pocket at this stage of his career. For you. Yeah. And by the way, I just want to state, I have no uh, reason to believe Tom Brady is uh, doing this without – with some type of uh, use of anything that's like a nutritionist, natural ability, and just smart uh, and, and disciplined mm-hmm. workout and diet habits. I'm just saying it's weird. 
Great anyway, coaches. You've got to get after uh, Tom Brady to have a chance against the Patriots. And I think Von Miller could be the guy to do it. What do you always hear about the best way to get Brady? Pass rush up the middle. They don't have Malik Jackson mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was a big factor in the AFC Championship game. Von Miller is a terror off the edge, and I'm sure they will be chipping him with running backs throughout the game. What a beating Tom Brady took in that AFC Championship. That's one of the biggest beatings I've seen. But also, how different this offensive line for the Patriots is playing Much right now. Better. And as you mentioned, the people that Denver was doing that with last January, you know, nearly a year ago, that that complexion of that defense has changed. If this this MVP race should go down to week 17, but if Tom Brady throws the kill shot against the Ravens' number one defense, and then, I hate this term, the no-fly zone Uh, in Denver. (laughs) Wow, we got a trap game and a no-fly zone from you. The no-fly – if he beats both of those teams, the two biggest – Challengers to the Patriots in January over the last decade. He's gonna have a, you're gonna have a hard does time it, beating him in the MVP race. Does what? it help that he may have a new weapon? His <gasps> oh command. yeah, Michael Floyd's punishment for DUI is go catch passes from Tom Brady <laughs> on a Super Bowl run. Yeah, Michael Floyd uh, claimed on waivers by the Pats, and I believe the way waivers works, it goes in order like worst to best record. 30 teams passed on him. Yeah, so uh, the Pats t- took a flyer on him. And, you know, we were talking about this on Tuesday's show that they, the Pats have such a, a depth issue at wide receiver. When they were running the three wide receiver set, they had to call timeout when somebody had to lead the game temporarily. So if nothing else, Floyd gives you another warm body, whether or not he can actually uh, be a playmaker in this offense. That might be asking a lot. Oh, no, it'll happen just because that's what happens. It has been an offense, though, and I, I largely agree with you that we'll see a completely different type of player because that's just New England. But there have been, at that, at that position specifically, guys that have come in and found out we don't work here because we there's a cerebral side to the way they play their wide receivers that guys like Chad Johnson couldn't hang. It's, he's not the only one. Yes. So, all right. So, Colleen obviously is, feels very strongly. So strong. The Broncos. Wow. Do does anybody else in this room think that the Broncos, who are a desperate team, the, the Patriots can lose and still be in very good position for the one seed. The Broncos, if they fall to eight six. They're deep trouble. This is almost a wounded dog game. Let's <laughs> hold off on the drop, Sid. Out of respect for a lot of people, but especially my colleague Wes. Yeah, I don't like to hear wounded animals. I'm no. sorry. Yeah, that's what's wrong with you, I mean, Dan? It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Don't you have a dog? No, you don't. I did. No, you he died. Know. Thanks for bringing it up. All right. Is that your dog? <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Boomer. Um, does anybody else think the Patriots uh, will lose this game? No, I respect the Broncos at home. You have to respect them. But I just don't think they're a good enough team. I think the Patriots will win. All right. I, I'm not picking against New England until I, you know, potentially get a playoff game wrong that they lose. They're not. I don't have them losing again. Got you. And I will pick the Patriots, too, and I respect Tom Brady. I, I, I'm sure he does Sounds it. like it. Totally natural, mm-hmm. uh, but it is weird. It's a gift, probably. Moving on, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, now, this is where, Colin, you need to bring the energy in Greg's chair because okay. he is the Bucks booster of this room. Eight and five, obviously playing extremely well and have a chance to go to the playoffs, but now they get the Dallas Cowboys um, coming off a loss uh, to the Giants on Sunday night football. And I got to tell you, Wes, uh, I don't like Tampa's chances at all in this game. When you factor in uh, Dallas needing the win, coming off the loss at home, I would have locked. I almost had three locks I could have went with today. This one I feel very strong about Dallas. <laughs> well. Oh. What? 
Oh, my God. What? Wes, no. Wait, what? I feel pretty strong what? the other way. Like, oh, how, like, and I'm so- going to lock it up! <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Buccaneers go into Dallas and walk You're away. Yeah, I love it. You're mad. He's I, not. I fell for this Bucks team last week. <gasps> I fell for them. Fell head over heels. I'm in love wow. with the Buccaneers now. I'm sorry. The way their defense plays, oh, my God. They were just all over the quarterback, all over Drew Brees. They get their hands on everything. Every pass is challenged. They tackle so well. They gang tackle. Their energy is so high on defense. This team is playing better than the Cowboys right now. Wow. You know what, Sid? I'm going to repeal my Cincinnati lock. Oh, for heaven's (laughs) sake. And I'm going (laughs) to lock it up. Big D with a big win. You're making a mockery out of my favorite segment. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a fluid segment, okay? I, yeah, there's no way. That's crazy to me that you would say that. But you know what? Have you seen Keith Tandy? I mean, th- I love Keith Tandy. Me too. I like his name too, but I he needs to start every game from from here to the rest well, of the time. Well, I think he will. He's but so much better. He's won than two games time. in a row for him. That's big boy pants. The Bucks go into Dallas and win in late December. Big boy pants. You think they're ready? They are that type of team now. Do you know who can wear big boy pants? Who? Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. Because you know what we're wearing com- them. You know what we complain about on this show all the time? What quarterbacks who throw short of the stick? Fantasy football. <laughs> well, that's too. Quarterbacks who throw short of the sticks. Jameis Winston never throws short of the sticks on third down. He's going for the first down. He's playing aggressive. He makes plays. He's so elusive in the pocket. He might not quite be Marcus Mariota. Oh, I love this. But oh. he's pretty darn good. I am rooting for this Bucks team. Get Charles Sims back last week. They have a more well-rounded team now. How about yeah. Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston going 1-2 in the draft, Winston, Winston first? Th- these guys are studs. How, how rare is that? It's interesting. I, I think if you look at Mike Smith, who we've probably laughed about, you know, especially when he was a head coach many times <laughs> on this podcast, he is coordinator of the year material with the way this defense has played down the stretch. Because last week, Marcus Mariota and the offense vanished for a large portion of that game. And it's the defense that against a guy like Drew Brees, three interceptions and made the Saints offense look somewhat broken. So I... I I don't think it's a crazy lock. I think it's a lot to ask to go on the road into Dallas because I think Dallas also has probably heard all this Johnny Come Lately business about, oh, the offense is broken down entirely. They're in a big mess. And you know what? I, I don't see that lasting. It's not the, it's not who the Cowboys are from here to the end of the year. This may be the kind of game where the Cowboys are going to say, we're going to show you something. I love the Bucks in this one. The offensive line has been playing so much better for Jameis Winston. He's able to spread the ball around. I think he threw to seven different receivers last week. Mike Evans and Cameron Brait together, they, it's just fun to watch, especially with They're a They're a defense. fun team. They feel like the Cowboys felt a month ago. Mm-hmm. Wes, what happens? Bucks are the new Cowboys. What happens if the Bucks defense does play? perform extremely well and Dak Prescott struggles again is this gonna get real with this Romo talk you know I was just thinking the Buccaneers have to like their chances they're facing a rookie quarterback everyone talks about Dak like he's an MVP candidate he's played like a rookie quarterback the last couple of weeks yeah fewer than 200 yards passing in each of his last three games but how about that Des has been a problem too by the way Mm -hmm. Dak shouldn't get all the heat Des Bryant had an awful game oh, he was against the Giants, and he hasn't been the same player since he came back from the knee injury. Was it Des or Janoris Jenkins, though? I think it was It was both, but Des was – I mean, both interceptions came on passes to him. He had the fumble. 
he just he wasn't getting any separation. The, I don't. The Dallas offense is not breaking down against a bunch of total jabronis. They they struggled against the Vikings, which for all their issues, still have a very solid defense. And the Giants game is an NFC East primetime matchup. That that's how those games go. And this that's is how a they better go. defense than either the Vikings or the Giants right now. It is, um, but it reminds me of just a week ago when we're talking about why are the Patriots going to lose to the Ravens? Because all this sort of build up on one team or the next, and then someone just drops a hammer. Dallas also may have the power here to say enough with this business. If we're, we're, their their version of a slump, other teams would take. If Tom Brady was facing the Buccaneers, I'd feel good about Tom Brady. But this is Dak Prescott. Um, well, we'll see. Both of the kissing cousins punted on the question, so I'll throw it to you, Colleen. Oh. If Dak Prescott struggles badly against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, does Tony Romo really become a conversation piece, a realistic one as we head to the final two weeks of the regular season? No, but you know who does? Mark Sanchez. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I think that. How about you, Sid? What do you think about my question? <laughs> Okay, I'll start calling everyone in the building until I get a real answer. I will say yes. I think, th- yeah. I think that – If one more game, Dak struggles. I think it goes from Jason Garrett saying this is a non-issue to you get more hemming and hauling. Mm-hmm. I, I don't agree know. With you. I, I don't like them doing that, but I, I could see it happening. I just think you, you, you're changing the entire course of your season – and you've got listen. We well, also not playing well. We're though. not in the locker room too. You there there is a there is a contingent of players in that locker room that are bought in on Dak Prescott right now. You can't just make a switch without. Yeah, but they've been the with Tony for so long. So yeah. what? They don't have any loyalty. You're to You're only anymore? as good as your last game I, in the NFL. I think it's a good question, but I I think that there are some people that have watched what's happened this yeah. year and say, why change things after two games where we won one of them? Let's move on. Finally, uh, Monday Night Football. Um, the Carolina Panthers at the Washington Redskins. Uh, Connie Fox, uh, you know, there was a report that Cam Newton had a MRI on his throwing shoulder, and maybe that uh, makes you think, oh, maybe that explains why he's been so poor with his accuracy this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see how he looks in this game. Uh, and the Redskins, uh, no room, no margin for error. They got to win at home against a uh, Panthers team having a tough season. Yeah, Josh Norman revenge game this is. <laughs> Wait, we'll see. We'll see how uh, I guess he'll be with <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin on this one. But for, let's go back to Cam. Four straight games, he's completing fewer than 50% of his passes. And I think I saw a major change in Cam after they lost uh, Ryan Khalil. That was sort of – that was a massive hole for them, and they can't really fill it with anybody else. And it's not that Cam was having a great season before that happened, but after he went down, Cam's season became even worse. Outside of a 10-game window last season, he's never been an accurate passer. Mm-hmm. And I think the the offense has a lot of issues. Jonathan Stewart has zero 100-yard games this year, too. Yeah, I mean, they, they were able to run the ball last year and, and, you know, take over teams that way. I don't see them with much to play to play for in this game. They're going into Washington. You're the Redskins. You've got this game. You have the Bears in Chicago after that. Then you wrap it up with the Giants. I mean, you as you said, Dan, not a single – margin for error here and I think the Redskins have have a have a much more interesting powerful offense that when it shows up it can take over a team like Carolina that's had a number of massive stinkers on defense I need to talk to David Ely about having someone else cover this game Monday night (laughs) the last thing I want is to hear anything Josh Norman has to say ever I have just written an article that I'm not even going to suggest people go read. NFL.com slash Sessler if you do want to read it, though. It is about Josh Norman. Let me guess. He said something again. So I've been down that road.
He seems to what did he say? Rub a lot of people the wrong way, not just you. He basically said was, I remember when Steve Smith, when he was with the Ravens, came into Carolina in his revenge game, and everyone said, oh, he's going to talk and talk, but Steve Smith actually said nothing. He said, that's not how it's going to be with me, essentially. Mm. And so he's already talking. Wonderful. And you're on a team. <laughs> All right, Wes. I mean, I think, I, think, I think Josh Norman's had some very good games this season. He's not been a total disappointment, but this is the game that, you know, make it happen now or please stop talking. All right. Now I'll stop talking. Did you, did you lock something up? Sorry. Oh, Dan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I left you on your lock. You know, that wasn't personal. It was more the remember before when we started to talk about the locks today, I there was one that I was thinking of. It was the Cowboys on Tuesday. So it was really that's where my heart always I can see why, you know, you've locked up and unlocked about six teams (laughs) at this point. Why you would be, you know, searching for your final answer. Um, All right. Colleen, thank you so much. Yes. For helping us out. Sitting in. Uh, always just a ray of sunshine. Mm-hmm. A game today. <laughs> a game. One hundred percent. We all we all uh, we did our best. That's all you can ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We will be back on a Sunday night. Con- you can see Colleen on Sundays on the Couch Show, which is actually branded NFL Sun- NFL Sunday Blitz. Ooh, close. NFL Now Game Day Blitz and Snapchat. And Snapchat. Yeah, okay. Mike Taylor and I. Oh, that's fun. It it actually is. Well, it sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Ike is very <laughs> condescending. No, because no, really we're, we're busy on Sunday, so I'm not really plugged in on the Snap. Plus, I'm old, so I don't really know Snapchat. I'm still like you're not on Snapchat. Working or Snap. I'm working it there. I have one Snap Snap ever. It's from a, <laughs> it's from an LA like subway station, and I was like, I'm gonna keep doing this all the time. Have not done it since that was about late July. We're about one one season away from that in the sitcoms when it's like, oh, they're starting to get a little old and stale. Let's get, like, the kid in there. We're going to have, like, a precocious six-year-old sitting in on the show just to get younger <laughs> soon. I, to Joey Lawrence has to have a kid or something. Right? If I know. <laughs> the only person I follow on Snapchat is Colleen's dad. Oh, that's true. My dad is very active on Snapchat. Really? really? Yeah, he loves it. Huh. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to plug in. If your dad's on it, I should be plugged in. All right. Yep. That's it. We will be back on Sunday with our recap show. Make sure you check it out. Thank you very much for everyone that listens. You guys are the best. This is Dan Hansen signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, Connie Fox, and New Money. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.